Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. Church family, we want to welcome you wherever you are watching or listening from. Welcome to church this morning. I am excited to share the word with you, and I hope you are excited to receive what God has for you today. We're in part two of the hidden power of fasting. This is going to be the final week of this series as we are um, rounding third, heading to home in our fast. I I believe um, and I'm hoping that um, this has been a really great time of fasting and praying for you and uh, gaining um, um, just intimacy in your relationship with God and getting clarity for the new year. My prayer is that that is what has been happening in your personal times with the Lord. I want to shout out everybody that's been doing devotions as we uh, hope you've been getting, I hope you signed up and you've been getting those daily devotions. They've been incredible. People in our church, um, they just have done such an incredible job of of putting together uh, what God is speaking to them. Uh, about and sharing that with them. And, and I know I've been uh, ministered to uh, each day during this fast as I, I check out the devotional. Um, when I was in Bible school, we had a no dating rule. Uh, the leadership wanted us to focus on studying God's word, doing ministry, and being all that God created us to be. But a man still has eyes. And when these eyes uh, looked over at a young lady named Priscilla Madrano, I just had to get to know her. And so the summer of our, as we, if we fast forward, the summer of our second year of school, she went home to Arlington, Texas, and I stayed in South Texas. And we literally talked on the phone, like every waking moment. Like uh, w- there were several nights where we talked all night long, like literally all night long. And then I had to work in the morning and I was tired, but I didn't care. Like, I didn't care about the sleep deprivation because I got to speak to and connect with and spend time with the woman I love, right? And so because of that, I didn't care about sleep deprivation. I didn't care that I had to work the next morning. I stayed up all night long willingly to talk to her. My desire for you as we begin this year with prayer and fasting is that Your desire and hunger for Jesus increases to the point where going without food is worth it because you're getting closer to him. Our motive for fasting must be a deep, insatiable desire for more of Jesus in our lives. If we have to forfeit food for 10 days, so be it if I get to know him more. But we have to understand that there are adversaries of our love and devotion and passion for God. Something or someone is always trying to grab for our attention and our affection. Listen to what uh, John Piper said in his book, A Hunger for God. The greatest adversary of love to God is not his enemies, but his gifts. And the most deadly appetites are not for the poison of evil, but for the simple pleasures of earth. For when these replace an appetite for God himself, the idolatry is scarcely recognizable and almost incurable. As we're entering into the last phase of our 10-day fast, I want us to finish strong. 
Our working definition of biblical fasting is, if you remember from last week, abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. What Pastor John Piper is saying here is so very true. It's often our cravings and desires for the simple pleasures in life that get us off track of our pursuit of God. It's not the big sins. It's not the it's not the heinous sins. It's it, it's it's usually God's good gifts. It's usually the simple pleasures of life that we get disordered, and those are the things that distract us and keep us from our pursuit of Jesus. It can be as simple as shifting our motive for work from glorifying God through our work to working so that we can go on vacation. It, it can be as simple as convincing yourself that you need to eat instead of depending on God to sustain you for the 10 days of our corporate fast. When we start to fixate on God's gifts, his bread, his water, money, charisma, or anything else, they become an adversary to our love for God. New York City pastor John Tyson said, fasting is designed to reveal our dependence, not just tweak our habits. You see, church, the, the motive, the reason for fasting to begin the year is not so that you can become healthy, not so that you can lose a few uh, pant sizes, okay? Uh, the, the motive for fasting is to put ourselves in a position to be completely dependent on God. Every time we get hungry, we say, God, I need your strength. God, you are my everything. God, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. And so you are my strength in this time. As you look at the scope of the Bible, it's remarkable to see the link between spiritual danger and disobedience with the comforts of food. Uh, like, let's go back to the very beginning. Adam and Eve were tempted by a desire for food, right? Genesis 3, 6 says this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And we know what happened after that. It affected the entire creation. It affected the entire world, and it's still affecting us today. Um, Esau, he gave up his birthright for a pot of stew in a moment of hunger after a long day of working out in the field. The children of Israel angered God in the wilderness as they remembered and craved the food that they had back in Egypt while they were slaves, right? While despising God's provision of manna in the current season. Numbers 11, four through six says this, the riffraff among the people had a craving and soon they had the people of Israel whining. Why can't we have meat? We ate fish in Egypt and got it free to say nothing of the cucumbers and melons, the leeks and onions and garlic, but nothing tastes good out here. All we get is manna, manna, manna. In The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, for you Narnia fans, C.S. Lewis shows us a great illustration of this link between uh, spiritual danger, disobedience, and the comforts of food. Uh, if you remember, those of you that watched the, the movie or read the books, Edmund, after discovering Narnia, has an encounter with the White Witch, the queen who is holding Narnia 
captive. When she realizes that Edmund is a son of Adam, he's a human, she lures him in through his weakness. It is dull, son of Adam, to drink without eating. What would you like best to eat? Turkish delight, please, your majesty, said Edmund. While he was eating, the queen kept asking him questions. At first, Edmund tried to remember that it is rude to speak with one's mouthful, but soon he forgot about this and thought only of trying to shovel down as much Turkish delight as he could. And the more he ate, the more he wanted to eat. And he never asked himself why the queen should be so inquisitive. At last, the Turkish delight was all finished and Edmund was looking very hard at the empty box and wishing that she would ask him whether he would like some more. Probably the queen knew quite well what he was thinking, for she knew, though Edmund did not, that this was enchanted Turkish delight and that anyone who had once tasted it would want more and more of it and would even, if they were allowed, go on eating it till they killed themselves. John Tyson, in his book, Beautiful Resistance, recalls a time when he asked a believer in the persecuted church what he thought of the American church, and his response was, so much food, so little power. Man, that's convicting. And as we look out at the church at large in America, that statement is true. Where are the miracles? Where are the signs and wonders? Where where is the gospel transformation in our neighborhoods and in our cities? Uh, Where where is the transformation happening on social media from Christians, right? If we could just get that right, we we wouldn't be such a bad witness to to unbelievers who are are our social media followers, right? Um, It's just such a true statement. So much food, so little power. It's back. It's time to get back to depending on God and, 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 and seeing his power manifested through our lives, right? Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, verses 16 and 18. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. He says this, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I know in this text, Paul is not directly talking about fasting, but giving his life for ministry. But I think it can apply to our situation of fasting. In a sense, when we step away from the table, our outer self is wasting away. We become weak. We get headaches, right? Our bodies start to use the, use the stored up fat because we're not consuming food. We, sh- we start to shed pounds. We're tired. At first, we can feel weary. Our outer body is wasting away as we step away from the table for a season. But as this is happening, our inner self is being renewed. That word renewed that Paul uses here means to produce something new, right? This is amazing. As we fast, pray, and dedicate the first part of this year to God, God is producing something new inside of us, amen? He is producing through the Spirit something new in us that was not formerly 
there. He's producing something in us in 2021 that was not there in 2020, okay? He is renewing us day by day. So every time you have a hunger pang, every time you you see a commercial about food and your stomach starts to growl and you start to lust after that image of food, whatever it may be, and the cravings start, we should rejoice because that is a sign. That is a signpost that God is producing something new inside of us. And Paul tells us that the light momentary affliction is preparation for something greater, right? Fasting and praying that we're doing right now. It's preparation for the things that God has for us later down the line that we are going to be prepared and ready for because we prioritized the beginning of the year and we tithed it, we gave it to God. Fasting and prayer is looking and finding our sustenance in the unseen. That's the hidden power of fasting. Food and drink are a temporal fulfilling of our hunger and thirst. But when we partake of the bread of life and when we partake of the living water, the unseen things, we will never hunger and we will never thirst again. Paul tells us in this passage that the things that are seen, the pleasures of this world, food, power, wealth, popularity, homes and cars and material possessions, they are transient. None of those things will last or endure, meaning they were never designed to be permanent. Yet, some of us love those things as if they were. Fasting coupled with prayer is the intentional practice of looking to the unseen to fill our hearts and, remo- and, and renew our minds. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Let me say that again. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So that leads me to my first point about fasting this morning. Fasting is a counterintuitive resistance to the ever-moving systems of this world. The world is moving at breakneck speed, and fasting and prayer is a way to slow down and experience the fullness of God. It's a time to slow down and figure out how God designed us. It's a resistance to fulfilling our ever-increasing appetite for more and more and more and more and more. It's setting a new rhythm for our crazy busy lives. It's allowing our hunger to remind us of the faithfulness of God. If you think about it, most of the fasting done in our world is either for political reasons or for our bodies to look better right? I think about the hunger strikes to push the needle politically or or the intermittent fasting fad that people are now doing to to get their bodies looking looking great. Uh, And I'm not saying these fasts are wrong, just that the motivations are different from a biblical fast, right? Our fasting must be centered on God. Fasting is a holy resistance to the ways of the world to indulge in any and every appetite in pursuit of individual happiness and fulfillment. Fasting is countercultural to that. Fasting is counterintuitive to that. 
Fasting is not limited to giving up the evil in our lives. It's also about sacrificing the good things God has given us that has started to get in the way of us enjoying and delighting in God. Fasting is dealing with our hunger in a different way. Like when those mid-morning hunger pangs start to get louder and louder and louder like they do for me, it's an opportunity to deal with them differently. It's an opportunity to deal with them by getting on our knees and seeking God and saying, God, you are my sustenance. God, you are my strength. God, I need you right now. God, I'm totally dependent on you because everything in me wants to break this fast, but I made a commitment to you. Fasting is a resistance to the inward war of our appetites competing with our hunger and desire for God. And when I say appetite, I'm talking about sexual appetite. I'm talking about our appetite for more power, more control. Uh, I'm talking about uh, our appetite for food. I'm talking about all of these different appetites that are competing with our hunger and desire for God. Fasting will awaken a greater appetite for God his presence, his word, and his mission here on earth. John Tyson uh, uh, says this, most of our culture is not engaged in a nuanced evaluation of desire. Instead, our culture is mostly driven by two questions. How do I, how do I feel and what do I want? These are the mechanisms that drive 21st century civilization. Fasting is one of God's great tools for reorienting our longings away from the flesh and back toward God. All of us have deeply engraved patterns, dopamine reward mechanisms, and neural pathways centered around a need for physical satisfaction. Fasting breaks these default connections and reorients us toward a greater food intimacy with and enjoyment of God. What is Pastor John saying here? He, he's saying that fasting can rewire our brains for the, for, for the purpose of enjoyment and intimacy with God. Every time we want the instant gratification of eating, but we ask God for strength to abstain. We're rewiring our brains to deny our flesh and build our spirit. This is why fasting is such a powerful, powerful spiritual discipline. Listen to how uh, uh, the Apostle Paul explains this in, in Galatians chapter 5, uh, starting with verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. But the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. 
Verse 26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. (sighs) Point number two, fasting purifies us. Let me give you an illustration. I brought my water purifier uh, pitcher from home, and uh, hopefully as I do this, I won't make a mess. Uh, But here we go. We're pouring some unfiltered, some nasty water here, and... uh, this, this is what it does. So it goes through the filtration system here. And what, what it's doing as the water goes down, the water is literally being purified. Toxins, pollutants, uh, dirt, uh, things are, are, are being removed from this water. And through this filter, uh, good things, good minerals, uh, uh, alkalinity, uh, different things that we need. It's being infused into the water. And in a sense, in a way, this is what fasting does for us. Just as this filter system purifies the water, right, and infuses it with the right stuff. Richard Foster in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, says, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. Fasting reveals the things that control us. For example, when I fast... I, I have to wean myself off of coffee. If not, I get unbearable headaches. I get migraines because I have become so dependent on caffeine. I've become so dependent on coffee that, that I have withdrawals from it. And so I have to little by little wean myself off of coffee. Why do we start so many fasts and then break them prematurely? It, it's because food controls us, right? I, I've broken as many fasts as I've done them. Because food is controlling. Maybe you've noticed this week as you fasted that certain behaviors and attitudes have started to surface. Uh, hangriness, right? Coming out of, out of you is what's ultimately in your heart. And it's only able to come up when you stop medicating yourself with pizza, cheesecake, donuts, and soda. So fasting is a form of purification as the, 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 the toxic things in our heart start to come up so that God can deal with those things. If there's any anger, jealousy, vengefulness, insecurity, or pride deep inside of you, it will come to the surface during times of fasting. You know, for example, when I told Priscilla that I was going to fast everything but water, her response to me was, dang it, you're going to be mean to us all. Like, it wasn't this, oh, I'm so excited about what God is going to do in your life. It was like, no, you're going to, you're going to mistreat us because you, uh, because that anger is going to come out. She knows me. And so maybe in 2021, the thing that I need to deal with, the thing I need to surrender to the Lord is my anger. Uh, When she said that, it really uh, affected me like, man, like that's her initial thought when I tell her I'm going to fast, that it's because these things that are medicated by food inside of us, right? They start to come to the surface and, and they start to be known. And, and, and that, that is the moment, that's the opportunity we have to take it to the Lord, surrender it and say, God, help me with this. I can't do this on my own. This is coming up and I need you 
to help me with my anger. I need you to help me with my jealousy. I need you to help me with my craving and desire for more power. I, I need you to help me with this, with, with this, um, with, with my um, disordered desire for wealth and money and, and to be known and to be noticed. I need you to help me. I need you to strengthen me. These issues are coming up and I'm bringing them to you for you, for you to help me deal with these things. All the things we hide behind food we have to deal with when we are in a fast. And then my third and final point is this. Fasting reminds us who sustains us. Matthew chapter 4 uh, starting with one verse one says this, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Verse four, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Fasting is a reminder that although food is necessary for our survival, it is not our ultimate sustainer. God and God alone is. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says this, For by him all things were created, talking about Jesus, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Fasting is actually abstaining from food in order to feast on God. You remember that quote I shared with you earlier? Fasting is designed to reveal our dependence, not just tweak our habits. And that is what fasting does. It's like we, when we fast food, we have to be dependent on God to sustain us because we are, we're essentially stepping away and giving up something that our body craves and needs and desires. God's desire as we finish out these 10 days of prayer and fasting is that we depend more on him for what food naturally gives us. It's to reimagine him as our ultimate provider and sustainer. It's to reorient our desires to where they belong. Again, I want to encourage you and challenge you to finish this fast strong. Don't quit prematurely. Allow your spirit man to be built up. Uh, uh, allow, uh, allow those parts of your life, the, the, those parts of your life that have been largely neglected to be built up and to be strengthened as you seek God. It, it reminds me of this old Cherokee Indian legend, and, and it goes like this. An old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life. A fight is going on inside me, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight, and it is between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, Arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. He continued, the other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside you and inside every other person too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. 
That is so true. It's so true. What you feed grows. If you feed your flesh, those desires will grow. And if you feed your spirit, those desires will grow, right? The more you feed your spirit, the greater intimacy with the Father you're going to enjoy. The more you feed your spirit, the clearer the Father's voice will be to you. The more you feed your spirit, the more the spirit can reorient your desires. If you feel like your priorities are out of whack or there's a temptation and a drawing to things that you know you shouldn't be doing and it's strong and strong and strong, fasting is a way to help reorient your desires back to what should be your priority. As as counterintuitive as this sounds, the more you feed your spirit, the more human you're going to feel, right? Because feeding our flesh, even with God's good gifts, when they become disordered, will always, always, always lead to slavery, right? Feeding your flesh will always result in whatever you're feeding having mastery over you. But feeding our spirit will always lead to freedom, right? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom to be who God designed us to be. Freedom to let go of toxic relationships and toxic patterns and toxic habits. It's freedom to love the lost. It's freedom to love the mission that God has, has, has placed in the hands of his body, in the hands of his church, and to pursue that mission. It's freedom to love our enemies. It's freedom to not be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. It's, it's freedom that when somebody posts something on Facebook that makes us mad, it's freedom not to have to lash out on them and to lash out in anger and frustration. It's a freedom to live out our calling to be the light of the earth and the salt of the earth. It's that freedom that only comes as we feed our spirit and we are led and guided and directed by the spirit of the living God. There's no greater freedom than being in the will of the one who created us. There's no greater freedom than being in relationship with the one that designed you. The one that designed you with the personality that you have, the, the, the racial background that you have, the one that knew exactly where you were going to be born and where you were going to grow up. He knew exactly your parents or who your parents were going to be. He, he knew exactly uh, uh, what was, how, how you were going to grow up and, and, and your background story. He knew all of that. And there's no greater freedom than we're linked up with our Creator. Let our 10 days of prayer and fasting lead us into greater freedom. Paul said, there is no law against the fruit of the Spirit, right? When we walk in the fruit of the Spirit, when we are led by the Spirit, there's no law that can chain us up because we are walking in complete and true freedom. True ecstasy, joy, and delight come from walking in the Spirit. Let me pray for you. Thank you for being with us at TGP NYC. You can listen to other sermons on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are available. 
For further details about the Grace Place, please visit tgp.nyc.